Uh, okay. We, we rolling. You ready? Everybody ready? Yep. Do, do that again. <laughs> Why? You gonna record it this again? time? Well, I was Hold before. Hold on. I was, I, was, I was singing in my head on the way over here. Let me get it. Follow Will. Follow Will. Follow Will. Follow Will. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's Mark F and Follow Will. Dude. Where does that rank in your list of theme songs? It's pretty darn good, man. I have not had many theme songs. And... Uh, our buddy TC at the ticket wrote one uh-huh. when uh, Rads and I would fill in. It was to the Friends theme, mm-hmm. and I do love that show, <laughs> and I can like quote a lot of episodes of it. But the theme song was never something I was really terribly wild about. So that was a that was a really good was theme song like machine. Marky I appreciate it. Follow You're welcome. Will. Yeah, it was Rad, the, Rads and Follow Will. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So they'll be filling in today or something yeah. like that i don't, I don't think the exactly lyrics were actually appropriated for y'all originally wasn't didn't they just dub over reds and or is it whenever someone else filled in with reds they just dubbed over they dubbed name? over yeah it was somebody else yeah. <laughs> it was like reds, reds and, and david moore yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even key it's someone saying david moore <laughs> that's the tc style yeah, wasn't they didn't go out and get the Rembrandts? No, to, they didn't. Uh, to Maybe do a available remix. though. <laughs> Might be available the Rembrandts. Well, hi everybody listening. Hello. Yeah, it's been uh, what? This is our third or fourth time having you this season. Elter Sir, the third. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't know what he said either. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, is that a new whiskey you're trying? What is- <laughs> We've all got. I'm actually glad that you're. I mean, you've been to Mexico and kind of ventured out on your own. I mean, you're very comfortable with your with your Spanish. Uh, knowledge, your vocabulary, right? I mean, you, I, also, you speak I almost it pretty well. uh, went when Mark said something the other day about needing a translation of Porzingis's answer in the <laughs> press conference. I almost chimed in from the back. Well, he said this, this, and this. Yeah, so you, you have a say? pretty good working knowledge of the language, which is good because not, gr- I mean, not, I mean, good uh, enough. I mean, obviously, you're not fluent, acceptable, but in some scenarios, among the three people sitting at this table, yeah, you are by far the, the best. tallest midget right now. <laughs> yeah, which uh, is good because now I I mean, Luca and Kristaps, the two arguably best players on the team, most important players on the team moving forward, they kind of prefer Spanish to English. I think Luca I think especially does. Luca. I'm yeah. not sure about Kristaps preferring it, but I think Luca would I definitely be first, more comfortable. I think they speak Spanish with each other. Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. I mean, because Kristaps spent time at Sevilla, and, of course, Luca was at Real Madrid for six years. What age was... It's easier to learn a language, by the way, when you're young. Yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you just naturally will have a, uh, well, you'll have a tendency to just think the language. And when you're an adult and you're so comfortable in one language, you're constantly translating. And that's my problem. It's just like I'm just thinking too much. And it's like, oh, what, whoa, now I'm lost. And now I don't know, can't say anything. And now I'm scared. Now I'm afraid of getting embarrassed. And I'm not going to say anything. And this is all like what it's like to travel with me in Mexico. After like <laughs> two sentences, it's going well. And it's like, they're ah! like, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, your business is communication, and usually in English. So it's like, let's just get really, really good at that. And if I'm mixing my conjugations up in Spanish while I'm trying to call this amazing LU from 30 feet out, Luca to Dwight Powell, like that might be a problem. You that know? would be a problem. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's where having Victor here to help us out is good too. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Victor, Katia, Monica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Anyway, that was just kind of an observation. <laughs> How old was Chris Dabbs when we played at uh, the aforementioned city that I can't remember Sevilla. now? Sevilla? Yes. Let okay, because um, we we're all uh, like kind of 
armchair experts on Luca's amateur experience until or into professional experience. Mm-hmm. All I know about Chris Tapps is uh, Latvian had dreadlocks when he was like ten, right? Or not dreadlocks, cornrows, corn rows, yeah. which is awesome. Yep, it's a great photo. I think uh, he was at Sevilla up until he was nineteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. and he uh, the first year where he actually like played legitimate minutes and everything was 2013-14. So that was mm-hmm. he was in the twenty fifteen draft. So that was two years before that. That's probably what seventeen. Yeah. Okay. I, I it's, it's funny because I was spending some time. I knew that Kristaps and Luca had played against one another in Slovenia versus Latvia in the 2017 EuroBasket quarterfinals. There were Nike Junior tournaments in Europe that I wondered if they crossed paths because there were times that Sevilla played Real Madrid, and I think there were times even that Kristaps was on a Sevilla Junior team that played Olympia Ljubljana. But I think that actually was after Luca had already left Olympia Ljubljana in Slovenia and had gone on to Real Madrid. So their their paths certainly crossed at Eurobasket. I can't. I have yet to find an actual Nike sponsored or anybody else sponsored for that matter junior tournament where their paths crossed. But it looks like they may have just barely missed each other in some of those. Yeah, because he was only at Olympia until he was what thirteen. Yeah, yeah. That's when he signed with Real. So it would have been tough for him to play against Kristaps, who at the time would have been seventeen. Right. Yeah, but uh, Luca was playing up an age level or two. He was, though. yeah, yeah. He still is, really, if you think about <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Uh, I remember the the summer leading up to that 2015 draft. That was the year the Mavs just uh, drafted Justin Anderson, so they weren't really like a player in the lottery where Porzingis was projected to go. But I remember hearing a lot about him, and uh, at the time, I was the one person in kind of my circle of friends of uh, of blogger friends with uh, access to Synergy. So the what great a cool John- group of guys. I Man. know. So the great Jonathan Charks, uh, we hung out and would These guys we watched a, a few. Know, oh right? yeah, <laughs> we were watching Chris Stapp's games with Sevilla uh, leading up to the draft, and I just remember thinking like, this guy is really unique. I we'll see how it works out. I I don't know. It was just ve- like, because he was an immediate hit, not like to Luca's level, you know, mm-hmm. but he was mm-hmm. pretty much right away he could play, and uh, that didn't seem to come across. It came across more so with him than uh, Mario Azonia, who was in the same yeah. draft. Mm-hmm. But it it didn't seem to show up on film, or maybe I was just younger and dumber and more ignorant. I don't know. But like, he was really good right away, and it just it it was it was difficult to tell. It was kind of kind of weird when he went four, wasn't it? Wasn't that, I mean I saw the projections, but I yeah, but there, the hype hadn't reached that point. I don't I don't feel. Well, what was the uh, – so that was number one was Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, it was Okafor, Okafor three, was right? three. He was two. Uh, Good question. Porzingis was four. No, Okafor was two. Embiid was three. I thought Embiid was in the 2014 draft, honestly. Yeah, Embiid wasn't was in it? that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. But Embiid Okafor was, was three yeah. um, Sixers, and somebody, then Knicks were four. Somebody that we just don't remember for whatever reason. D'Angelo Russell? Yes. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell. Russell. Yeah. Russell. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers yeah. was two. Uh, then you would have uh, had uh, Okafor at three, Porzingis at four, Hazonia at five, Colley mm-hmm. Stein at six. Right? How much farther can you go? Uh, you have to help me on seven. Uh, that was the Nuggets pick. That was the Nuggets pick. That so was Jamal Murray? No, close. Uh, Off by one year. One, Gary. Same position. Year. Same position. Uh, oh, I know. Oh, wait. I don't know. Who would, wait, who, is it Moutier? Yeah. Yeah, Moutier. <laughs> this draft. Seven. I don't like this draft. <laughs> uh, let's see. You would have had uh, Justice Winslow, or maybe Stanley Johnson at yep. eight. Uh, Johnson Frank at eight. Kaminsky at nine. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Miles Frank, Turner, 11? Yeah. Uh, he would have been 11. 10 uh, would have been uh, Justice Winslow. Yep. yep. It fell to Miami at 10. Finish um, the lottery. 
You're Let's so see. close. You're Eleven down to 12. was Frank Kaminsky. Uh, no, nine was Kaminsky. Eleven what? was Miles Turner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Miles Turner was eleven, and Machine said that. Uh, twelve. I have no twelve idea. was the Utah Jazz. Played mm, all Trey Lyles. S- yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and then another. And then. An- another teammate of Trey Lyles. Current teammate from of Trey Lyles. Not current. Oh, I know who. Who? I don't Devin know. Devin Booker. David Booker. Booker, yeah, there you go, yeah, and then campaign who played, the lottery. and then and then what? Campaign, Cameron, Cameron Payne, yeah. he's now out of the league, right? I mean, uh, I know he's bounced around like with a couple of teams. Yeah, yeah, he got, I think, he I think got he's released. been released. Yeah, yeah, but any, anyway, I guess that was a really long-winded way of saying I, I didn't have much of an interest in the lottery, so I didn't watch a ton of him. But it was just like I don't know. It was it's tough to. It seemed easier to to watch Luca because Luca had like the. The role and responsibility, whereas Porzingis, mm-hmm. whenever he was playing with Sevilla, even in his last season there, was playing. Well, Luca was playing on a better team that was competing for championships. Yeah, and I don't think that Sevilla was doing anything. No, they were in lines. Euro Cup, which is the tier below. But right. even then, Porzingis was only playing twenty-one minutes a game, mm-hmm. so he didn't have the chance to like put up the counting stats that Luca did. Where Euro, Euro Cup being the uh, if you watch soccer, then Euro Cup is like Europa League. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, the which Euro, is also Euro, where Brokoff competed. Yeah, that's right with Russia. With, yeah, yeah exactly with Locomotive right. yeah. Euro League is like Champions League, Euro Cup is like Europa League if you're going to make a basketball soccer comparison of the continental competitions of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you came here for. Which, uh, I mean, all right, so as it relates to the maps. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll I'll get you back on track, Corella. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just a 7-3 so dude. So speaking Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> just a 7-3 dude that can shoot like that and is playing in not the best league overseas. It's like, okay – any idiot that hasn't watched basketball in their entire life can look and go, well, that looks weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that doesn't look like these other guys that play over on our side of the, of the ocean. Like that's a trick. That's just, that's just a bit right. Seven, right. three guy that can fill it up and all he does is shoot. So the normal fan, and it's funny whenever they do hit and they are good, like how quickly like the fan base gets behind them and they're like, no, I told you. I told everyone. Literally, yeah. the I knew Knicks this fans guy. booed him uh, on yeah. draft night. Yeah. I knew this guy was going to be great. And it's like, no, you didn't. He looks like you know a giant tarantula, and he's burying just spot up uh, jumper after spot up jumper. And it's just he's so unique. And we'll get into some deeper stuff about him in relation to Dirk and everything a little bit later. But it's uh, I feel like seven foot for a shooter back in the day was just so bizarre mm-hmm. it was the craziest thing anybody had ever seen when dirt comes in and he's yeah. just like the wettest jumper you've ever seen and you can't defend him and now it's like he's seven three and he shoots and i don't know how to wrap my mind around that man if you had seen when minute bowl was playing for nelly with golden state and he was shooting threes and actually making some of them too but that was a really weird time but that's way back there but look i love the trade um it obviously has risks to it but you know, I think from a big picture standpoint, not only just, you know, you're talking about the skills that you're seeing, but my big picture thought this is our first chance to kind of chop it up on the trade. I really liked it. Uh, who wouldn't? Obviously, I think that that there's certainly risk with it. But I think we have learned that get the guy here, get him introduced into your organization and the way you do things and have the obviously leg up on everybody else to resign him because we have learned our lesson the hard way about what it's like to try to you know pursue after guys in free agency and chase free agents and gut your roster to chase free agents and not have any continuity and now you've got two young stars and then you can build around that and maybe free agency from the Mavs is going to be go after one really good player maybe it's going to be go after two 
good players. Maybe you know it's two uh, high B tier free agents rather than you know one A lister or one lower A lister and one higher B lister. I don't know what exactly their plan is, but the beauty of it is is that they do have a lot of work to do. But I think they've got a lot of options in terms of how they pursue that work with cap room and the ability to trade and just any number of avenues that they can go. And the, the trade last week, of course, was the biggest domino to set them up for that. But this next one that they made also was a big part of the setup, too, with the Barnes move on Wednesday night. How did – so it's easy for us during games because we just have our laptop open and everyone's just refreshing Twitter every five seconds during timeouts. So yeah. we knew, but you're on the broadcast. So how did that – the news of that trade or the rumor or whatever i mean i know you guys showed a graphic and kind of like explained it and stuff or was that on the no that was on the other i was, was on, on charlotte's that was barnes yeah. yeah yeah that was charlotte's that broadcast was, yeah no i know uh, it was the barnes i'm talking about how okay. did we find out yeah, yeah, yeah we how didn't did you find out we found out because i think it hit twitter for us like i think i saw it within seconds of us going on the air from the break between the third and the fourth quarter is when I saw it because my notifications are set for like Shams and Woj and Stein and all those guys right now, especially this time of the year. You know, you want to get the notification. You don't want to d- depend on refreshing it every five seconds. Yeah. So, um, so that was right at the end of that break. So I think at that point, I mean, the thing that you've got to do is you've just seen it once. So you need to make sure that there is more things out there to corroborate that. And then I think before you start running with rumors, I mean, I think, number one, you want to see who else backs up the story. And then the ultimate backup of the story is just to kind of wait and see if, in fact, he's going to play in the fourth quarter. And then once we got to a good stopping point in the fourth quarter where it's not like you're going to, you know, I I think it would be a total disservice to what we're doing of calling the game to, like, you know, Luca just crossed the timeline. Oh, by the way, everybody, Harrison Barnes has reportedly been traded. So we got to a stopping point with about two minutes left to go in the game, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe maybe a little bit less than that. And somebody for the Mavericks, I believe it was Brunson, was shooting free throws, and that's whenever we had a moment where we'd taken care of all of our sponsored business. There was a stoppage in play. Uh, there were enough reports to back it up, and he hadn't come into the game at that point. So then that lent, you know, obviously the, the validity to, okay, well, he hasn't come back in the game for crunch time, so there's, there's clearly something to this. So that's whenever we addressed that. We know there are rumors and tweets about this. Uh, you know, still nothing official, but, you know, we'll, we'll share more when the postgame show comes on with Dane and Sud. Gotcha, okay. So the screenshot and all that stuff is from the other yes. broadcast. Charlotte. They have similar colors, so it's probably confusing. Okay. Like, I thought it was, too, and then yeah. I, had, I took a closer look because I used to do pre- and post-game and half-times at Fox, and I took a closer look, and I was like, nope, not us. Not our not our deal, and I wouldn't expect them to do that. Now maybe either. the post game show. And I don't either know what the, I don't know what the Fox Sports Southwest post game show did. I mean, that's mm-hmm. produced by a different group of people than produced mm-hmm. the game broadcast. And I don't think there would have been anything wrong with to have said, you know, reported trade. Here's who's going out. Here's who's coming in. I don't think there would have been anything. Well, that's what wrong y'all had to do for the Porzingis one. Yeah, I mean, I remember that because the way that whole thing went down is it was reported basically as we're getting on the bus to go to the yeah. game. So, so at that the arena while we're 4.45 Eastern time last week. Yeah. yeah. And at the, at the arena, we're eating dinner before the game. And uh, Mark and Dave Keeney, who's the producer of the broadcast, y'all are like, who's in the trade? Who's <laughs> in mean, the trade? Who's on the team tonight? Who's yeah, going to play? It was wild. Yeah. Are they going to have to release so somebody? And yeah, That literally feels like a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we didn't know for a long time, like, is Trey Burke in the trade or not? Yeah. Yeah. There were varying reports. I mean, like some yeah. people were including his name and others were not including Trey Burke's yeah. name on that. But yeah, it does feel – it was, what, a week ago today? Yeah, a week ago yesterday. A week uh, ago yesterday. Days, yeah. The good Before. news is on that, I mean, 
good news from a preparing for a broadcast standpoint. Obviously, not good good news for you know people going in and out and having to uproot their lives. But for our little menial aspect of the broadcast, you know, I think the trade call was done about uh, six o'clock Eastern time. Yes, yeah, so about game, an hour before tip. Right? Yeah, yeah, and the game was at uh, was at seven Eastern. Yeah, yeah. So we had we had an hour to prepare graphics and and get some highlights right? packed no detroit detroit get detroit, some okay. get some i know it seems it's, it's all running together mike yeah. i know man i got <laughs> um we had time to put some highlight packages together because we could yeah. at least go back and look at old games of the knicks playing against the mavericks and it's okay get there's some tim Hardaway and this they just played the night before there's some tim hardaway shots here's some trey burke stuff here's some courtney lee or courtney lee didn't play in the game the night before but at least hardaway and burke did so we were able to accumulate some highlights of those guys pretty quickly yeah but, uh, but, yeah, the other night we didn't – you know, it was all there in the fourth quarter. So tonight we'll get a chance to, uh, at the beginning of the telecast, uh, if you tune in tonight, you'll, you'll see at least a little bit of information about Justin Jackson. And also you'll see the other thing, which is a really big aspect post-trade life for the Mavs now, is there's three guys who look like they're certainly going to be starters moving forward, and that is Brunson, Finney Smith, and Kleba. So we'll be talking about those guys tonight. And then uh, we'll see who the other starter is with Barnes out of the mix now. I don't know who that's going to be, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Rick's comments about lineup flexibility really maybe show up there more than anywhere else in terms of what they're planning on doing moving forward. Yeah, I I would kind of think that like Hardaway is sort of the favorite, if Mm -hmm. you want to use that word, to start at Mm -hmm. least today. But – I, the whole instant offense thing off the bench, I think, is pretty pretty valuable. So yeah, see, I, I'm that's that's the one thing that I have. I mean, I am really enamored with the idea of this being about let's prepare Hardaway to be the sixth man next year. Whenever you really refortify the roster with like what you're going to do guy. this summer, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the idea of that, and I think that would be a, a great role for him where he would really thrive. Whether or not the Mavs have that same idea, you know. I, I think he came off the bench the other night just because he'd only been here for a couple of days. And, um, you know, moving forward, what their, what their optimal – what their idea of his optimal role is, I don't know. I know what mine is, but uh, it doesn't really matter That's what mine That's why you're is. on here, man, to spit <laughs> fire takes. I feel like he was more athletic than I remembered. And I don't know if that's just from in New York. No one could really get him the ball. And his catch-and-shoot numbers were drastically down. And he kind of cr- had to create his own shot. And I just – I just remember him standing there and shooting or dribbling, crossover, pull-up shooting. The other night, that dunk that he got from Luca, I was yeah. like, yo, like, who is this guy? Like, and the, the best number I liked, Mike, was that he's averaging, at least in his time with New York, over five free-throw attempts a game. Mm-hmm, for and sure. you're doing something right in terms of penetrating and ball handling if you're averaging over five free-throw attempts a game. And I think he was at 2.7 assists in his time with New York, too. Wow. So, you know, that's not a, a high number by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a fair number for somebody who's playing an off-guard position. Five is a lot of free-throws, though. That's probably, yeah. what, top 30, top 40 in the top league? Top 30, I mean, I that's bet. That's a lot. I'd have to look it up, but, yeah. I mean, I bet, it, I bet you it would crack the top 30. I think 30. it was like 85th percentile or something like that okay. whenever I looked yeah. up so his you're, numbers. Yeah, you're pretty you're And pretty that's his actual free-throw percentage, too, nice. 80, 85%. Yeah, yeah he, he was a he was a 84, 85 guy in like three or four different stats. I was like, okay, he's an 84, 85 guy. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's another thing, and whether you start or come off the bench doesn't really matter at the very end of the game, but uh, the other night against Charlotte, uh, Hardaway was not on the floor. It was the starting lineup, so that would have been Brunson, Doncic, Finney Smith. Uh, Barnes was on the bench, so maybe yeah, Hardaway so was, Cle- was on the no, floor. No, I, I think he was some, but I also think that Kleba and Powell were both out there okay, as well. Okay, maybe it was Powell, yeah, and they were inbounding the ball, and the, the Hornets were going to foul, and I was like, who is going to shoot the free throws? Like, who are you <laughs> inbounding the ball to? Because right. 
I mean, of that group, probably Maxi or Dorian are the best free throw shooters. And do you want them to shoot those free throws? I mean, Brunson and Luca are both around seventy or maybe Powell even below up, seventy. Powell ended up catching the inbounds right and shot two free throws and did made them missed, both. By the did way, he, did he yeah. make, mm-hmm. make them both? Okay. Brunson had an zero for two with about a minute, yeah. minute one forty or whatever. Of. But yeah. Powell had a two for two that yeah. extended it from a four point game to a six point. Game. <laughs> I think we had that conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking, go, what is going to happen for us? Yeah, and so that's I mean, having Hardaway out there, if nothing else, just to close out games with free throws is going to yeah. be pretty valuable. Yeah. That, that's that's a very good point, and I would think it, you would also have to consider Trey Burke would be somebody as a candidate who you would want on the floor at the end of games if you're just looking at who are my best free throw percentage guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for this season, one well, moving forward, Porzingis is eighty percent. Sure. Before we get too far, too, uh, far down the road, looking at, okay, the new guys, how you build around this, what does Porzingis mean, all that kind of stuff, um, I wanted to get your thought on something that I've, anybody that's asked me about the trade, they, you know, how do you feel about it? Obviously, Porzingis is great. I've, I've been telling them that I'm really proud of the front office mm-hmm. for being honest with themselves, mm-hmm. for going, okay, this starting lineup, it's not working. Right. You can look at the stats. Right. The net rating tells you. Right. Um, there's flaws in it. We've got to be honest with ourselves in our direction right now. And if there's a drastic move to be made, let's do it. And that was the drastic move. And I feel like their, their upside has changed dramatically in eight days' time. Well, what I liked about it, it, along the lines along the lines of you're saying it's a drastic move and being honest with yourself as a front office, I'm not looking at necessarily from the standpoint of how this particular starting lineup looked because I didn't see that as a long-term thing, knowing that Jordan and Matthews were out of contract at the mm-hmm. end of the season. Um, I just didn't view it as something that was something that was going to be a long-term situation for Dallas. What I liked about it is just that kind of backtracking to what I said earlier – the biggest thing for me is the recognition of we need a second star to pair with Luca. We have spent a lot of time trying to find a second guy to go with Dirk in the past in free agency. We haven't been successful doing that, so let's try this avenue. There's a chance right now to get an all-star player from last year, although he's coming off an injury, but he's 23 years old. I mean, let's go get this guy, and if we have to give up two first-round picks, I mean, that's to me, that's not ideal. I mean, I was a little bummed that that was the case, especially when you consider you're taking New York off money that really puts them in a great position for this summer. Mm. I wasn't really very wild about giving up two first-round picks, but if everything was transpiring as it was said, and it's like, okay, look, we have a deal. Uh, we've decided we're ready to make this move. We're, you're the team we're talking to. You guys can give us a lot of what we want. We're ready to do with the deal with you, but we want these two picks. I mean, are you going to lose? Are you going to risk losing the deal because you want to only give up one pick instead of two? And I don't think you do that at that point in time. It's like we have the deal. They're not going to go shop it around if, if we agree to the deal right now. So let's agree to the deal right now because yeah, I mean, this is a 23-year-old all-star who we have a chance. Literally, to get. nobody else in the league knew that it was even happening. Yeah. I mean, if you depending yeah. on what you read, so like. Yeah, if they say you can either give us two draft picks or we're going to go hit up XYZ teams, mm-hmm. yeah. you can the, take my top ten protected pick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting the deal done. I'm yeah. getting the deal done right now. And, and, and look, if, they, if, if, if we are lamenting losing those picks in two and four years down the road, then there's probably a lot of other things mm. that have unfortunately gone wrong. And, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, it, no, it's, I, I, I agree with you. I think the front office was very, very honest with themselves. My, my thought on how they were honest with themselves was this is the best avenue to get a potential star, all-star player 
to pair up with Luca, and then That's, we can fill in the gaps around that with good players too. Because now you're, I think you're even more you're enticing to people when you make a pitch to whomever you're going to make a pitch to moving forward. But yeah. but you had to get that second guy, and he's at an age that matches up with Luca's timeline. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I tell everybody. I say, okay, as the Dallas Mavericks, you don't have a Los Angeles at the beginning of your name. You don't have an NY at the beginning of your name. I mean, we're the smallest of the big fish, right? Yeah. Fifth or sixth market, whatever it is. People don't just fall into our lap. Right. It doesn't happen like that. So the realistic avenues for us to acquire an all-NBA-level talent, mm-hmm. they're a little bit less than these teams that are above us in the pecking order. So this is the way you do it. This is the only way that you do it. I mean, the Mavericks' best player personnel moves, their best transactions for 21 years running now are trades. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those trades coincide with draft night. Yeah. So there are still drafting players at a high mm-hmm. place in the draft. Dirk ninth, Luca third, obviously, last season. But both of those were draft night trade swapping yeah. maneuverings that they did to, to be in the position where they wanted to be in. So the the uh, significant recent history of Mavericks basketball, just, you know, and by the way, beyond those guys, uh, you know, Michael Finley was a big part, obviously, of the initial era of the last 20 years, the initial part of the last 20 years, and he was a trade acquisition. Jason Terry was a trade acquisition. Mm-hmm. Jason Kidd was a trade acquisition. Steve Nash. Uh, yeah. Steve Nash was Tyson a trade acquisition. Chandler. Tyson Chandler was a trade act Twice. Both times. Yeah, twice, as a matter <laughs> of fact. John Marion was a sign-and-trade, which, yeah. again, yeah. You still have to negotiate with someone on a sign and trade. Yeah. So, yeah. so by uh, you know, look, their their batting average certainly, their free throw percentage to to make a basketball analogy certainly isn't a thousand on this. They're not make they're not making all of their free throws. They're not making a hundred percent of their free throws, but they're making a lot of them. Uh, you know, they've they've certainly swung and missed on the the Rondo and Lamar Odom trades of recent memory. But I feel a lot better about trades, be it for for actual players that are in the league or for draft rights to players, that's mm-hmm. where we've been the most successful, and, and that's what I like about it. The tail of the tape of Donnie Nelson's career in a front office is going to be like traded for a dozen Hall of Famers right? Yeah. across however many years he's here. Traded for a bunch of Hall of Famers or yeah. helped them get out from behind, behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's crazy. That's I hadn't thought about it that way of – yeah, okay, we think of Dirk as like, okay, he's a draft pick, Luca's a draft pick. But no, you have to pinpoint the talent, and you have to go get it, and you have to make mm-hmm. somebody else want to give it to you. Right. And so that's that's a skill in itself, and it's uh, there's going to be this just three-page long list of guys that Donnie traded for that were out there that no one else made the move for, but he made the move for. Yep. And, yeah, that's that's how we get all all NBA caliber players here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like we got one. So I have a question. It's interesting that you brought up Jason Kidd because I was thinking back to or thinking about like multiplayer roster changing, future changing seismic trades like right in the middle of the year. A lot of the times they don't happen very often. But then I was thinking, well, yeah, they kind of do. Like in 2010, the Mavs made the trade with the Wizards. Josh Howard for Karan Butler, Haywood Stevenson. Right. And then a couple years before that, it was Jason Kidd. At the All-Star. And that was like the arms race year. I think that was Shaq, Kidd, and there was a third guy that got traded. Uh, I mean, Marion went out for Shaq, but I I think the Lakers got Pau Gasol. So, I mean, there's like like arms races every few years, and this is kind of one of those. I mean, there was a lot of rumors, but like Toronto got Marc Gasol. But just in your experience – 
uh, in 08 getting kid was crazy. He was healthy, so he was able to play right away, and that was a that was a pretty significant move. But then in 2010, uh, that's the trade that kind of resembles this one for me because Porzingis isn't playing, but you're still incorporating three rotation guys. And that year, the Mavs made Haywood their starter, mm-hmm. and Butler was a starter. Mm-hmm. Stevenson, I don't think, started that year at all. He came off the bench, but they were all playing a lot of minutes, and the right. Mavs actually went like 16-2 and two right after that trade and went on this great run, even though they're incorporating a bunch of new guys. So how was that team able to do it, and how are teams generally able to make over almost completely the rotation? I mean, the Mavs' most used lineup now is – has 21 minutes. Yeah, well, look, the Mavs have traded away in a week. Uh, and if you want to go back to J.J. getting hurt, he's their number, their fifth leading scorer. So that happened four weeks ago today, I believe, is when it happened. And then you have – you've just traded away in a week your second, your third, your fourth, and your sixth leading scores. So your number one guy was left, and then the next highest – uh, points per game average, I think, was Powell that's left on the roster, wow. right? At Probably 8.5. like seven or eight, yeah. yeah. And so whenever a team does that, like how is that team able to succeed? And how do you th- – I mean, this team says they want to make the playoffs, and I still think they can. I think they're going to be competitive. But how is that actually going to come to be? Well, those teams – I mean, look, when you have Dirk, I mean, as uh, Randy Galloway said for many, many years on the air, Dirk saves all butts. So that's – I mean, you had Dirk and you always had that. And you had Jason Terry – for, for those teams as well. So, look, you had the staple of what you had to do at winning time. You know, you knew you had those two guys out there who could carry you, and the other guys could fill in the gaps and do the best that they could along the way. So, you know, that's to me is how those teams were successful. This is a very unique trade because the centerpiece isn't playing right now. And, and, and you also traded Barnes away for, for getting off the number. You know, you got a decent young player back in Justin Jackson, I'm intrigued to see, but let's face it, I mean, the, the in-game big-picture goal of that trade is getting off the number for next year to mm-hmm. open up your flexibility in the offseason. So I, I think this is a very unique trade in terms of it makes the remainder of the season probably a lot more difficult um, in terms of winning games. I do think that they'll be competitive, and I still see them getting up to – the high 30s and wins but i mean even if they hadn't made trades i probably would have thought they would have been up around the high 30s and wins they have to win it a little bit of a different way uh they're going to be leaning on some young players and some guys who don't have a lot of experience in the system and guys somehow managing and they did very very successfully in this in the last two games by the way make up for the 14 rebounds a night that deandre jordan provided for them uh finney smith and powell did a great job in that regard and luke as well i mean the Mavs had three double digit rebounders in the game against charlotte but, but it's look, it's a very, very unique challenge going forward because young players are getting elevated from reserve roles to starter roles. New people are coming in who don't have any familiarity with the system and are going to play, in Hardaway's case, presumably significant minutes. And I would bet that Jackson and Burke, before it's all said and done, will certainly have their nights where they're going to be in the rotation uh, especially Jackson. I mean, I don't see any way around the fact that Jackson's going to be somebody in your 10-man rotation. And to be honest, Mike and Bobby, I think that Burke's probably in your – I mean, if you're mm-hmm. – sorry, if, uh, stream of consciousness here. If you're saying to me that – Never apologize. Brunson, Luca, Finney-Smith, Kleba, we feel like those guys are definitely starters. You think that Hardaway Jr., at least right now, is the other guy who jumps up into the mix. Yep. Then the rest of your rotation is got to be – uh, Trey Burke, he's, you got to have a backup point guard off the bench. I mean, you can you can mm-hmm. stagger guys, but I still think you're gonna. I, I don't think you can stagger it so much that you don't want to have him out there as a ball handler off the bench, as a mm-hmm. playmaker off the bench. So he just got here last week, 
and uh, was a, a G League player for a while last season, by the way. Uh, and then Justin Jackson, who you got yesterday. Uh, you know, Devin Harris, who has limited minutes that he's going to play. Dirk, who's a limited minute guy at this stage of his career. And Powell, you know, and, and, and Powell is going to be one of your more significant offensive threats just because of the things he can do as a roller and how he can get easy baskets for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I look today, you realize that Powell is shooting 78% in the restricted area? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Brandon Wright. Yeah. I mean, I mean he never Giannis, misses. Giannis is shooting 74%. Now, yeah. granted, he's taking 10 shots a game in the restricted area, and Powell's taking three and a half or four or something like that. Mm-hmm. But still, um, if you looked at all of the players that are taking over three shots per game in the restricted area, Thomas Bryant for the Wizards is the only one who has a better field goal percentage than Powell. Wow. I he never is. would have guessed Thomas Bryant either. Yeah. Just yeah. put that remember, on. Remember, he had a 14 for 14 game yeah, earlier this true, year. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know he was a person until about a month ago, so <laughs> I wouldn't have he guessed either. He does exist, uh, yeah. Okay, so Courtney Lee didn't play the other night. I don't think he's hurt or anything. The guy is good. I, I imagine he's going to play, or is that kind of uh, – I mean, what? look, he's a pro, and I think he'll be able to deal with whatever happens. But, I mean, to me, he's like your I – mean, I, I, would, I would guess at this point um, – well, if Justin Jackson isn't available tonight, then he or broke off or elevated a spot in the rotation. But I, I would get, I mean, and again, I, I don't know. I'm just sort of theorizing here that he and broke off are kind of on the fringe of the rotation. And if there's a second night of a back-to-back and Dirk doesn't play or if a guy is injured or if, you know, they don't, you know, they don't play Devin maybe on some second nights of back-to-backs for the rest of the year. I don't know if that's a plan or not. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. But there are there are avenues for a Lee and a Brokoff to get on the floor. Uh, I just don't know how frequent it's going to be. Mm. But I like the idea, by the way, of Brokoff getting out there. Not to change the subject from Lee, which is a good question, but I like what Brokoff did against Detroit and Cleveland when yeah. he got to play. He and, was great against Cleveland. And I have a, I mean, honestly, we've been kicking around on the radio post game on the ticket post game show ideas for a start of the other night, and I would not be opposed at all to rolling him out there and starting because Luca can get him shots. And when he's spotting up and shooting, I mean, those corner threes that he was knocking, I mean, he hit four threes in about three minutes in the Cleveland game. He's mm-hmm. got such a beautiful, like, shooting form. Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy shot. Oh, yeah. I, want, I, I don't know if I want to slide Dwight into the starting lineup, but I need more minutes of Luka and Dwight because yes. it sounds obvious that two players that are that good offensively would work well together. Sometimes it doesn't work like that, though. Those dudes are freaking Awesome together. Unstoppable offense. I agree 100%, man. I, I think that you would want to, in my humble opinion, manage the rotation the way Rick has been doing it with Luca, where he'll still come out early. Mm-hmm. He'll play that dirt role where you play six minutes at the beginning of the quarter and then you play a chunk at the end of the first and bridging into the second and then a little rest and then you play the end of the half and then you do the same thing in the second half. So you play six segments of the game varying from – five to six minutes, you know, four to six minutes each time to add up to 32 or 33 minutes a game. And you bring him back in that bridge at the end of the first, end of the second, and end of the third, end of the fourth, so he's out there on the floor with Powell. I mean, I love the I, – I, I spot on agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, next year, if things don't change dramatically in the starting lineup and you start Porzingis at five, like I think everyone keeps salivating in the idea of Porzingis next to Maxi and just, okay, no one's getting a shot off. Like in the restricted area in general, I'm like, okay, what what is that lineup going to lack? And I think it's foot speed and it's a little bit of athleticism and a and guy rebounding. and rebounding and a guy diving at the rim, which Maxi's 
he did it a couple times last game. Yeah. And one of them was really clumsy, and the ball went off his back. But a couple were pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but Dwight Powell is one of the best in the league at that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that would juice that lineup up a lot. I don't know if you start it, but I'm going to figure out ways to get those three on the court together as soon as possible. Do you have? Do we have time for thoughts on the future? Absolutely. I mean, to, to, to dovetail yeah. off that, I mean, when I look at what the summer is going to hold for the Mavs in light of all of these recent moves that they've done, the beauty of it is, is there's a lot of things that they could do, and there's, there's clearly several positions of need. But the great thing about it is you can say, well, we need to go for the home run at this position, or we can go for the home run at this position, or two doubles, or, you know, again, whatever it is, you, you try to go about it. But I do think there are three things that are unquestionably of need. It's just a matter of how we all rank them of importance and, of course, how the brain trust uh, ranks them of importance. And that is a rugged big that plays next to Porzingis. I want him to check two of these three boxes. Be a good defender, an excellent rebounder, and a threat as a role man. I mean, I'd love it to check all three of those boxes, mm -hmm. but at least check two of the three. It's only so many of those guys yeah, in the league. I, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm trying to adjust my expectations. Yeah, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to, you know, be willing to. You have like, the looks and the smarts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not like the uh, Pet Shop Boys. I've got the brains, you've got the looks. Let's make, let's make lot, lots of money. Is that right. the first time the Pet Shop Boys have been mentioned uh, on this broadcast? On this podcast? One thousand percent. So you need that. You need a point guard-sized player to play alongside Luka in the backcourt that's a little bit more used to guarding po other point guard size players and can share in playmaking responsibilities, but is also skilled and talented enough to play off the ball and be able to be a catch-and-shoot threat, for example, uh, as somebody who can run off screens or spot up catch-and-shoot threat, what, however it is you get him the ball for those situations. But, and look, there are templates of players who exist in the league that I don't think it would be too hard to figure out, you know, there's a guy in Memphis, there's a guy in New Orleans, you know, just a couple of examples of those kind of players, I think, that w are the template for what I'm speaking of. And then you need 3 and D. Shooting, I, I think you need the 3. I, I, I don't know if you need the 3 more or the D more. I think you need them both. Honestly, I mean, look, wings are very valuable in this league right now, and and so <laughs> all the good ones are on good teams. Yeah, the so, three and D guys. Yeah. So look, you're cultivating one in Finney Smith. I think you got to crack at another one in uh, in Justin. Just thank you, Justin Jackson. Lee is that, although you know who knows what his future role is here at 33 or 34 years mm -hmm. old. Um, Brokoff has got the three part of it, and he's got an option, you know, a team option for next year. And I would think that he would be brought back, and I would like to see him have a chance to carve out at least a uh, Corver kind of role where he's a shooter off the bench. But, but Hardaway was surprisingly active on defense, actually, the other yeah. night. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know. I, I still don't know. I mean, I don't know much, too much about his game, but what kind of player he is on defense. But he was pretty engaged. Yeah, Continuing to fortify the wing position of true wing-sized players. Um, I mean, look, you can play anybody you want and call him a wing. And certainly the Mavs and Rick have been very successful playing three point guard sized type of players with you know Devin Harris being the small forward technically out on the floor but I do think the roster again needs more traditional wing size players that are three guys D guys or preferably both three and D guys yeah and then the argument also could be by the way that maybe you would want to invest of all of those things you would want to invest in the wing player being the best one because you have a playmaking guard 
and Luca. You have at a, that's going to be an all-star caliber player. You have theoretically an all-star caliber big in Porzingis. So now, if you're thinking modern NBA wise, okay, do I want an all-star caliber or at least close to it guy in wing? You know, because we're not thinking five positions anymore. I think we're thinking three positions, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Three, three uh, uh, subsets, positions, whatever terminology it is you want to call it. I mean, maybe there's an argument that that's the that's the place where you want to focus it. I think the beauty of it is, is you. The, the possibilities are significant. There's a big mm-hmm. number of possibilities, and, and it all gets down to what you evaluate is the most important and who wants to take your money or who wants to do, you know, who's got what player that wants to do a deal with you. And there's just there's a lot of great possibilities, and obviously uh, let's hope that they make the right choices down that path. And that's one of the most important things about adding Porzingis to me and then having Hardaway Jr. in your back pocket is your team building just got so much easier. You have mm-hmm. so many more options. You're not yeah. cornered into, okay, I need a two-way guy. Now, like what they were looking for for years was, you know, the very best version of what Harrison Barnes was, right? Really elite scorer that can carry an offense and defend the other team's best wing at times and be happy with doing all of this at the same exact time. Like that guy doesn't exist in the league. You're trying to find one of five guys in yeah. the league. Now you're trying to find guys that can just fit little roles mm-hmm. and – with Porzingis being able to slide down to four, slide up to five, protect the rim, shoot. Luca, obviously, I mean, one through three, playmaking, shot creation. It covers so many other areas yeah. that you kind of just – you can put out there an indefensible lineup at some point if you play it right with your role players. And a very good defending lineup yep. you can also put yep. out there as well. This A lot of this conversation, Mike, came from a conversation on the air with your buddy Jake. Yeah. And we were, and Jake reminded me of something that I said to him on the show three or four years ago when we were talking about draft plans. And he was saying, well, I don't know if the Mavericks should draft this player because he's – and I don't remember who we were talking about and who we were comparing him to, but he said something about them being a little bit redundant with what the Mavs have. And I said, I don't think, to be honest with you, the Mavs have anybody that's so good that if you found a better option in the draft, you know, you should go for it. I mean – you know, the, the, the honest truth of it is, especially from a young future building block standpoint, they were bereft of talent three years ago where you could say, give me anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, I mean, the cupboard's so bare in terms of what you're talking about, real foundation pieces. Uh, give me anything. There's nothing here right now that I don't think can't be usurped by something else that's out there. And yep. now clearly we're in a far, far different place where there's two foundational pieces and the opportunity mm-hmm. to go out and get the right things around that and and those are going to need to be good players of course i mean there's a lot of work ahead of the mavs this offseason there's room for boundless optimism but uh as my buddy Derek harper said last week when we addressed the porzingis trade on fox sports southwest love it on paper but trades have to work and mm-hmm. so all of this has to work now moving forward and and there's still a lot to do to make it work and hopefully hopefully they have many years to make it work and yes. not about two months Oh, yeah. You can work over the entire summer and um, moving forward, and as Mark Cuban said, the next two decades. 20 years. They're going to be really old. Porzingis is going to be 43. That's going to be weird. Yeah, he's going to be up in Kevin Willis territory yeah. at that point. I mean, Vince Carter's made it to 42 this year. So yeah. if uh, Chris Dops makes it to that, then 
man, we've got a heck of a story on our He's hands. He's just going to stand there and shoot. <laughs> He'll have 13 championships, and it's going to be awesome. He's just going to stand there in front of the basket and wildly yeah. wave his arms. <laughs> it's going to be like the uh, crazy scenario that people always say, why can't you just put a sumo wrestler in gold? And hockey? Why can't you just do that? <laughs> just standing there, like even 80-footers every now and then, too. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we know you got to get to the arena here yeah. pretty soon because you have a broadcast. You, you, have, you have a game to call, Mavs versus Bucks. Looking forward um, to it, man. Milwaukee is one of my favorite teams to watch right now. Yeah, so they got Miritich now, don't they? Yeah, he's Ooh. not available tonight. It ah, sounds crap. Like. Yep. Yeah. Well, neither is Chris Middleton. He's not playing. Low oh, wow. management. Yeah, so that's kind of fortuitous. I haven't seen Nikola all season. We played the Hornets, what, three times? Yeah, and he, three times he hasn't played well, not once. The, well, they've played the Hornets twice. They've played oh, the yeah. Pelicans <laughs> three <laughs> times. That's okay. You know what I, mean? I didn't catch it. Yeah. That's okay. That's yeah. all right, man. It's a test. Before we get out of here, is there any, like, Parting shot, parting takes, last thoughts, whatever. Um, well, tonight, if you hear this before the game, uh, make sure to check out Milwaukee because these guys are exploding out of NBA mediocrity and obscurity uh, in a way that is it's one of the best stories in the league. I mean, they are sitting today on 40 wins. If you look back since 1990, since the 1990-91 season. They've only won more than 45 games three times. And they're at 40 this year. So, obviously, they're going wow. to pass the 46 that they won in 09-10, the 48 that they won in uh, 90-91, and the 52 that they won in the 2000-2001 season. I and mean, they went to they, the conference finals that year, right? Last time, Yeah, last time they won. They have the longest drought of winning a playoff series in the NBA. The last playoff series they won was against – the first incarnation of the Charlotte Hornets in the Eastern Conference semifinals in 2001. And they have not won. They have not won since? They've lost nine series since the Eastern Conference finals that year to Philadelphia and then eight first-round series. Is that Michael Redd, Bucks? Michael Redd, Sam Cassell, Ray Allen. I think that was more known – I don't think Red really had established a big role yet, okay. honestly, Mike. I think maybe he was just getting ready to start his career. That was known as that the big weird Ray three. Ray. Yeah, that Ray big Allen. three was the big dog Glenn Robinson, Sam yeah. Cassell, and Ray Allen. That was the big three that led that team to uh, winning the, the conference semifinals. And I think they took uh, Philadelphia to seven games yeah, in, the, yeah, in the Eastern that's Conference That's the last finals. series they won, huh? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll make a guarantee and say that's ending this year. Yes. Okay. Is, yes. That, is that too bold? Or They're the it, longest yeah, drought. down. And the Charlotte Hornets are the second longest playoff series win drought because the mm-hmm. last time they won was a first-round series against somebody in 2002. I don't even remember who it was, but uh, yeah. they won a series – um, in, in the spring of '02 against somebody, first round series, and then they haven't won one since. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, then you got the Kings that haven't been to the playoffs in forever. They're probably going this year. I mean, they might. I yeah. guess they're kind they're of in the a driver's seat for the eight seed. I think. Yeah, yeah. The Lakers are kind of a mess, although they got a nice win last night. Yeah, and um, and the Clippers are. You know, they're the incumbent, but they're theoretically due for a slip back to the pack mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But then the Mavs are right there too. I yeah. mean, the Mavs are like a what a game uh, back of the Lakers, two games back of the Lakers. Yeah, but three and a half back of the eight spot. That's yeah. what I heard yeah. on the way down here. I yeah. heard uh, on a good. What was interesting though is that two day, whenever they made that Barnes trade after the after the conclusion of that game, they were as close to fifth in the lottery as they were to home court in the West. <laughs> wow. So. That's everybody insane. is bunched together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like it is truly kind of the. I know everybody hates Golden State, but it's really parody times right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like w- one good week away from moving up three spots in the standings. Well, it's still it's still really 
just infuriates me that there are going to be probably two below 500 teams out of the East to make the playoffs. I still hate that we do it this way, and I don't want to get like way down that path because it'll just drive me crazy and it'll take too long. To <laughs> All-star like, starter Kimber Walker yeah. is for me, uh, for me <laughs> to, leading the Hornets to the playoffs. All-star D'Angelo yeah. Russell. For me, <laughs> to, like to uh, to for me to share my thoughts on all of that, we'll have to do a different podcast. But I will say this. For as ridiculous as it is that 7 and 8 in the East will probably be below 500, what went down yesterday – and, and the last two days with Philadelphia adding Tobias Harris, uh, with Milwaukee adding Miritich, with Toronto adding Mark Gasol. There are three, and then, of course, Boston, if they still get their act together consistently, there are four teams at the top of the East that whoever comes out of the West, Golden State presumably, but I, I don't think that they're in for just uh, a cakewalk in the finals. The East is – they got the, – the arms race has stepped up, and at least the top of the East is pretty damn exciting, I think. Mm. Yeah. What was your favorite move? Um, favorite move, favorite move. I would say probably. I think I think Gasol is mine. Like them all, man. But I would I would lean towards Gasol. I don't I don't love the Harris move is so good too. I don't love that one that much. I don't know. It's just a philosophical like trading all your assets for Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris who are about to be free agents like thing with me where I'm like you're about to pay those guys 300 million dollars this offseason. Risky but I love the risk. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love you going go for, for it. it at some point. I love going for it. And like you can't sit on your assets all the time. <laughs> <laughs> say, that, say that right. <laughs> sit on your assets all the yeah. time. I mean kind of because yeah. that's a lot of the criticism of what Danny Ainge has done. Yeah. Is he sat there and he sat there and he sat there. Mm. Now it may pay off because Anthony Davis is now in play for them this summer. Right. Uh, so maybe it will pay off but but yeah. Or maybe my favorite move was Mark Hill Fultz. Maybe that was my favorite trade. <laughs> okay. <deadline. laughs> <Got> you. <laughs> crazy, man. It is uh, crazy. Yeah, the Bucks are fascinating, too, man. Like a real slow, just like, okay, you know, Eric Bledsoe doesn't make sense everywhere, but it makes sense here. Yeah. Brooke I mean, Lopez doesn't make sense everywhere, but let's try it. Let's see. And guys, they are one or two in the league in about 15 different categories, offense and defense, both. Yeah. And it's just combined. I mean, it was like there's – 10 to 15 things in the league that they're ranked either first mm. or second in. Yeah, uh, at least they play Mori ball better than Mori. I'm sorry? They play Mori ball better than Mori, too, as far as restricted uh, yeah. area shots. Threes for and against. Threes allowed and against. Yeah. I mean, most, most made field goals a game in the restricted area. Second fewest mid-range shots taken. Uh, second most threes taken. I don't know. I don't think they're – I think they're still like kind of sixth or seventh in corner threes. They're pretty far up the list, but they're not all the way up at the top when it comes to corner threes. But, yeah, so you asked me for a parting shot. Watch the telecast if you listen to this podcast before the start of the game because it's going to be worth watching to see more new faces for the Mavs. And uh, the opponent tonight certainly holds a lot of intrigue. Yeah, for sure. There you go. Follow Weezy. All right, good to thank talk you. to you guys. Love you, yeah. bud. Yeah, thank you for having for coming on with us. Uh, let's go over and watch some hoops. What do you say? Play some basketball. Woo! Woo.